Syracuse 6-2 and two after a loss to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A tough one that Owen and I will dissect on Locked On Syracuse. It starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on your Monday episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, And it's time to talk about a second loss in a row. First time this season uh, that we'll do that. Last week was the first time we talked about a loss. So how about that? Uh, Let's start off. I'm kind of shocked they're still ranked 22nd in the country. I thought for sure maybe it was my immediate reaction and and pain as I sat there in the Dome student section. This was the first game, by the way, that I attended as a fan since 2018 FSU. So my luck has run out. I should have just left it on a win and called it a day, (laughs) but whatever. Um, I had a great time at the Dome. It was packed. I know some people were complaining about some sections weren't covered, whatever. I couldn't see it from where I was sitting. Uh, It would have been uh, directly above you. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so um, not really in your line of sight. Sure. Uh, but that was a it was a brutal game. I was taking a picture for my dad. Uh, he, he asked, did you go to the game? And I was taking a picture of the dome, and I sent him the picture. I said, yep. Uh, and as I sat down right after taking that picture, I they scored. <laughs> Notre yeah. Dame scored the pick six, and I didn't even know what happened. I was shook. I was like, what happened? Was that a kickoff? Well, I wasn't even paying attention. It was brutal. I mean, right no. there, the crowd, the, the air was let out of the crowd, and everybody was just like, are you kidding me? Because, obviously, we've gotten the talk all season long about how, you know, Garrett might not be the perfect quarterback, but he doesn't throw interceptions. That was not the case. Yes, this was the, you had a, an inflated balloon that was not tied, and you were holding it. And that first play from scrimmage, you just heard, yep. 100%. The crowd was done from that point on. There were some moments that brought them back in a little bit, but you never fully reinflated that balloon. And that was incredibly difficult to overcome. First play from scrimmage. It was, in my opinion, a mirror image to how the Clemson game ended. In a drop back from Schrader, where before the ball was snapped, it was predetermined what he was going to do. And it was throw the ball to Aronde Gadsden. Both plays, there was 100% certainty in his mind that he was going to throw the ball to Gadsden regardless of circumstance. And both were a forced throw into way too much coverage and forcing an interception both times. Neither one of those balls should have been thrown. And this game, you put yourself seven seconds into the game down 7-0. It was not a look. You have to look, right? Any hesitation in that sight line you would have realized how terrible of a decision it was to throw that football and he did it anyway and that was something that I think we might get to a little bit later in this episode as we talk about you know the Schrader situation and the entire sort of quarterback situation at this point where you saw a little bit in the second half of Del Rio Wilson and how he sort of played Uh, that forced throw from the get-go deflated the dome 
and you you set yourself up for failure with that throw from the start and you just didn't have enough to climb out you got a little bit of momentum there were some moments where it got close but you just didn't quite have the height on your ladder to climb out of the hole that you dug yes uh, and I will say that touchdown that he threw to Aronde, uh in quick reaction to yeah. uh, the pick six, I was pumped. I was like, okay, they're back in it. It's fine. And then they didn't score again until Andre Schmidt kicked a 54-yard field goal uh, in the third quarter. Um, but mind you, this was a one-touchdown game. Syracuse had the ball going into the fourth quarter. I, I was so confident in that moment thinking, okay, a yeah. lot has happened so far. Um, you know, obviously before we get to the end of the game, let's talk about how the injuries killed him once again, Garrett Williams out for the, maybe the year. I mean, I don't have any yeah. inside info on that, so don't take my word for it. Hearing but it, the Dino's man terminology. Crutches. Yeah. Dino's terminology of, I, I know what it is, but I don't want to say it until I know, I know what it is. Does yes. not sound like that's a week to week ordeal. I, I mean, people on Twitter were saying ACL. I don't know. Um, but you know, crutches is never a good sign, of course. Um, and, and it's sad to think that if that is an ACL, Garrett played his last game in an orange uniform, most likely, if he, unless he comes back, which is almost not hundred yeah. percent not going to happen. Um, so that was brutal. I mean, losing Garrett was absolutely brutal. I, I don't know what it is with injuries this year. It, it seems like every play a guy's hurt. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then of course, uh, the Schrader play that a lot of people saw on Twitter, we tweeted it. Um, and, and, I mean, that was brutal. It, it looked like Tua. I mean, that was really, really bad. And yeah. the thing is, Babers goes into the press conference and says he does not have a head injury. That is not the case. Um, so there was another angle that they showed, I think maybe at the start of the third quarter on the TV broadcast, that showed it from a different angle where he might have stepped on Veterello or Bergeron, I forget okay. who it was, their foot, and that's why he collapsed. That's why he fell. Um, but it was the taped up ankle that I believe he was, if I'm correct, he was in a yeah. boot this week, uh, nursing that ankle and has been in a boot a handful of times throughout the season already. Uh, and so to I, I assume that was the the catalyst that just made it way too bad because he threw a handful of sitting ducks after that instance. And just didn't seem like, and Dino said this in the press conference, and it, it's scary to hear this phrasing as the rationale for why he was pulled, but Dino said he felt that he couldn't protect himself, which yeah. is terrifying to think of a quarterback not being able to have the tools to protect himself uh, up against a team with the size that Notre Dame has. Uh, and it was very visible. He didn't look as mobile as normal. Maybe that was, he was nursing the injury from the start, maybe. And that's why he wasn't tucking the ball as frequency or frequently and getting out on the ground uh, as often as we've seen in you know pretty much the entire season. So maybe that was something of concern from the start. And then that moment, it, the way he collapsed, it was like eerily to a similar, uh, yeah. eerily similar to that to a situation. The other angle showed maybe it was just uh, he stepped in and fell and maybe tweaked the ankle like that, but he was not the same from that point on. And he really didn't look like he did uh, in his positive moments throughout the season at all in this game. He, he didn't seem like he had that same mobility and the same sort of overall skill set that we we've gotten used to this season. So definitely of incredible concern. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an extended injury thing. I just think it's you, 
you need him to be healthy. And a less than healthy Schrader, especially when you sacrifice the mobility, people don't like when we talk negatively like this, but he doesn't have the arm to make up for the lack of mobility that he has when he's injured. Yeah, he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. Um, And I think that's kind of clear. He just, he doesn't have a great arm. Um, And and he's had a good season. You don't get me wrong. He's been at, he's been in moments exactly what this offense is needed. But in other moments, more often than not, I'd argue, he hasn't been. And the lack of ability in his arm is just so glaring against teams that have five stars uh, defending. I mean, when you go up against the Clemson and Notre Dame, those are games you're going to get exposed. Even if you get by for a little while, you're going to make one bad pass, and it happened to be the first throw of the game for Schrader. But Mm -hmm. uh, another thing I want to talk about is the difference in him and Carlos Del Rio Wilson. We're going to talk about... Uh, All the difference between those two guys after this short break. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. Matt Bonaparte. Owen Valentine with you here on the Lockdown Syracuse podcast. It's your Monday episode. Um, Okay. So we get the information at halftime that Garrett is coming out of the game. Dino tells the ABC broadcast to... You can air that information. It will be Carlos Del Rio Wilson coming out for the second half. Uh, as a guy in the stands, I was incredibly excited about that because not only, I mean, first, Garrett's hurt, and I don't want him getting more hurt in that game. And second, he's not helping. So they need, and then this game is winnable at that point. So get somebody in that's going to make a difference. Let's talk about the first, I don't know if it was the first drive, the drive in which they scored on late in the third quarter. Um, here it was Del Rio Wilson, by the way, I think the main thing that I noticed between him and Schrader was the just lack of tunnel vision that he had. It was just a crazy difference to remember what it's like to have a quarterback that makes more than one read. He threw the ball to DeMarcus Adams. When's Mm -hmm. the last time Schrader did that in a competitive game? So, I mean, it was crazy. So, of this drive late in the third quarter, Syracuse starts uh, on the Syracuse 33 with 2.46 left in the third quarter. Sean Tucker run, incomplete pass, eight-yard run, gets a first down, and then 23 yards to Damian Alford. When's the last time he caught a football? And then 30 yards to Demarcus Adams. I mean, that was fantastic. And then Sean Tucker yeah. touchdown. That was a fantastic drive. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I you nailed incredible. it right there. You nailed it with the the nod to the lack of tunnel vision. That was the main difference that I saw from Schrader to Del Rio Wilson. Carlos Del Rio Wilson was clearly making it way further in progressions than you were used to Schrader getting. The lack of tunnel tunnel vision was 100% evident. In the third quarter, unless I missed a pass, um, Carlos attempted nine passes. Those nine passes were to seven different receivers. 
That's fantastic. He threw the ball to seven different receivers He's in the better. third quarter. They were not He's completions. Gar- they were not necessarily completions, um, but seven different receivers. Courtney Jackson, Devon Cooper, Tucker twice, Gadsden twice, Amari Hatcher, Damian Alford, and Demarcus Adams in the third quarter all had a pass thrown in their direction with Tucker and Gadsden with two apiece. That is the the difference. That is why when we circle, you know, why is no one besides Gadsden touching the ball? It's because they're not getting deep enough into the progression. And Carlos Rio Wilson exposed that and made it a very much a lot more clear to to me as a viewer, to I assume you in the dome. Uh, it seemed very much like that was something that I didn't I knew was the case but it was not necessarily exposed to the level that it was until we saw sort of how Del Rio Wilson was able to get through. I am not here to, to call out on, on Babers to sit Schrader and start Del Rio Wilson for the rest of the I time. I am. However, however, I don't think it would be the worst idea to treat this sort of as you did when Tommy DeVito came in in 2018 and had a very successful first appearance. Uh, and helping kickstart a comeback, I believe, against NC State, where the next game, was it against Carolina? Uh, yeah. You you sort of had DeVito come in for a drive or two to serve as that spark when needed. I think that might be the situation you need right here. I also think, and I want to make this very clear as well, Carlos Del Rio Wilson is a better option than less than 100% Garrett Schrader. Do not force a, a 60% not, yeah. or a There's 70% a Schrader back in. There's a conversation if they're both healthy, but next week, I think it's got to be Carlos. And until he's until Schrader's 100% healthy, I think it's got to be Carlos. Carlos showed me enough in that game, and people are going to be mad in the comments, whatever. I really don't care about me saying that Carlos is better than Garrett right now, but he was just better immediately. It was like, okay, there's a real quarterback out there for the first time in so long. I like mm-hmm. Garrett. I like what he does. I like what he offers, but... When you see the ball fly out of Carlos Del Rio Wilson's hand, it's like a real quarterback. And it's not, I can't say the same about Garrett Schrader. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit with the accuracy. Uh, there were a couple of Of course, of throws. He's, a, he's a true fair, yeah. he's a redshirt freshman. Like, mm-hmm. he's got places to grow. I mean, the kid's got a long way to go still, yeah, but I really I just, like the mobility. There's so much as well. untapped potential. Uh, and the game, I think, died right at the tipped interception, which. He couldn't really do anything about. He's uh, a blind and, hand thrown into the air away yeah. from time. But that doesn't happen. I think Syracuse has a really a really good chance of winning that game. Momentum yeah. was lost right there, snuffed yes. out. It was over. Um, but Carlos showed me enough in that game to want more. I want to see more of that kid. Uh, I, I just give more guys a chance other than Aronde. I love Aronde. He's fantastic. But defenses are going to key in on that and they're going to say okay all we have to do to win this game is cover 19 and make sure 34 doesn't get more than five yards a carry easy this change in getting more receivers involved and getting deeper in progressions and being able to involve a lot more receivers makes gadsden that much more lethal exactly when you can take when you are forced to take the defensive emphasis only off of him you are going to make him that much better that much more lethal and that much greater of an asset in this offense. And I think it's, it's something that you need to have happen is continue to get other receivers involved because we saw in this game that it's not just Gadsden that's open. There are other receivers that are open. You just are not seeing them and you're consistently not seeing them. It's got to start to happen. And I think that will be a major difference maker for the Syracuse offense. 
And how about two huge targets to Amari Hatcher? One where he makes a huge catch, steps first foot half out of bounds. Second one beats him and then yeah. drops the football. One day, Emily Liker tweeted this. One day, he's going to catch the ball and it's going to be in bounds and it's going to be big. Uh, I yes. thought that was a really, really good tweet um, because that drop was so reminiscent to the one Jamal Custis had in 2018 or one of the ones he had. I don't know. I just remember vividly sitting in the same spot I was uh, and watching Jamal have a ball go right through his hands. But Omari Hatcher beat a couple of guys in that game, and he looked really, really good for the short time he had on the field. Damian Alford finally got a chance to catch the football. Demarcus Adams, the speed demon that we'd heard all about in training camp and hadn't seen pretty much at all, finally makes a difference in a real game. I thought that was awesome. I just, Carlos gives them a chance, man. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's shift and talk about the defense a little bit because for the first time, I thought the defense was bad. And I think that there's really no disagreeing with that. I mean, they got run all over. It reminded me of the 2019 game against BC where Steve Adazio and AJ Dillon just ran the same play 45 times and beat Syracuse. I mean, that game's statistics were ridiculous. Uh, and, and Syracuse's defense couldn't do anything. It re reminded me of the exact same thing in this Notre Dame game. How many times did they run the ball? It felt like 50. It they was had 56 rushing attempts. 56 rushing attempts. That's ridiculous. And they were good on the ground. Estime mm -hmm. had 6.2 yards a carry on 20 carries. That's yeah. insane. They you can't could, let that happen. They could not. But at the same him. time, I just want to say, I don't want I don't to hound think, the defense. I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I'm just there's saying a greater they're issue worn down at hand here. There are so many there's injuries. A, Go ahead. There is a greater Go issue ahead. at hand here, and I think that is what was exposed in this game. That there is, without a doubt, with 100% certainty too big of a talent discrepancy between the teams that are recruiting in the top 10, top 15 and Syracuse. And that was exposed in Notre Dame's ground game in this game. Syracuse does not have the size defensively to stop Autrick estimate. And that was the point. They were so exposed for the undersizing. I love Darton. Love I was about him. to say, I love Kevon Darton. I Audrey really Gessime love Kevon and Kevon Darton weigh the same. Darton is no, no, really, no way. Uh, there, I, I'm gonna double check that, I'll but I believe Darton's listed they, at two ninety five. Estimates listed at two fifty. Darton weighs two ninety five. Yeah, he's huge. Then um, I revoke he's my statement. 5'11", I, I love the guy. I think he's a great player. He's a great story. He's I apologize. A, he was a walk on. He got a, he, he worked is. for a scholarship and he's fantastic for the expectation that, that everybody had for him and that he would be a great third string defensive lineman. But now he's the nose tackle, the starting yes. nose tackle. And, he and I'm not even, not, he I'm not even calling him out. These offensive lines. I didn't think he played that badly. Honestly. He didn't play think, badly. No. He did the best he possibly could. Yes. But he's going up against some of the best offensive line products the nation has seen. That's just right? the issue. That's the problem. The problem is, and this is where it goes back to recruiting, and this is where it goes back to personnel, that yes, you are 6-1 and one going into that game, and you have a lot of momentum, and you're playing really well. But Notre Dame, when all is said and done, despite them having, in theory, 
their worst season since they went four and eight in 2016, still has 17 four and five star recruits from the class of 22. Syracuse in the last four seasons does not have a four star recruit. That is the difference in this game. That is why you were able to get bodied. The beat or the uh, Notre Dame offensive line is too much to handle. The run game from Notre Dame was too much to handle. And just the sheer talent that Notre Dame has, even in a down year, even in a struggle of a season, proves too much for the personnel that Syracuse currently has. And that is a sad reality that I think was exposed this week. Uh, It was not as badly last week, but it was definitely incredibly prevalent in my eyes this week. But they still could have won both games. That's the thing. Yeah, they absolutely could have won both games. So all it means to me is that Syracuse does do a good job of de- developing their players. There's no they arguing do. that they don't. There's no they arguing a lot that Syracuse that. doesn't develop their players well. But at some point, you have to find a way to get four or five stars to come here. And I know people are going to either be in the comments like, "Recruiting's not the issue," or they're going to be saying, "You can't get kids to go to Syracuse because of the facilities, whatever." Find a way. That's your job. Find a way. I mean, Win football it is, games. it's ridiculous because how are you supposed to compete against these teams if guys are going down and you've got to lean on a walk-on? I mean, that is just ridiculous. Come on. Yeah. Dino and talked like about Kevon it in the press Darby. conference. They both do. Yeah. Dino talked about it in the press conference. The depth differential is another difference between Syracuse and your your powerhouses. And that's a fancy way of saying recruiting, recruiters. by the way. That is a way to word around recruiting, but that is the case, right? When Notre Dame gets hurt or when Notre Dame gets tired, there's another four or five star. Same goes with Clemson, right? When Notre Dame and Clemson players get injured or tired, they are replaced with four and five star athletes and the occasional top tier three star, right? When Syracuse players get hurt, they get replaced with, and I will say this, the defense has had an incredible next man up mentality oh my and God, been outstanding it's been at stepping up. But they are so thin right now, ridiculous. and they are being replaced with incredible inexperience and not an inexperienced four- or five-star athlete. And that that is going to continue to catch up to Syracuse this season and moving forward as well. 100%. I agree with you. Um it gets difficult to compete at some point, but uh, hey, they're going to keep going. Um, there were a couple positives from this game that we already talked about. I mean, the wide receiver uh, emergence of a couple of guys, the potential of Carlos Del Rio Wilson getting a shot at a real game, and, and that should be yeah. exciting. Um, but at the end of there the day, were, it was hard to watch. At the end. Yeah, there were positives, occasional positives in this game. And I, I want to steal something from, I think it might have been, Oh, locked on Chargers, possibly. Uh, on Twitter, they tweeted out, although we've been ranting about the bad, uh, let's let's start a positive thread of favorite moments from the season on the bright side of things. So we might I might take that to Twitter, see if we can get uh get some smiles back. Try and because yes, you're, you're allowed to be frustrated. You are allowed to be frustrated despite the fact that they started six and zero. But we can still acknowledge that where this team is is not where we expected them to be. Uh, and that is something that I think is relevant. Uh, I I cannot finish this episode without talking about the fact 
that we ran a second and one end around. Oh, we didn't even Jackson. talk about that yet. We, we ran a second and one oh end around to Courtney Jackson that for a six-yard loss after a nine-yard rush from Sean Tucker. That's oh criminal. Oh, my gosh. That was insane. Somebody tweeted at us that Pee Wee coach would get fired for I calling saw that. that same play. I saw that. That was Shout crazy. I want to talk about that, and I want to just quickly say before I elaborate on the play call – that penalties were good this week. That's one more positive yeah. thing. They didn't come in a lot of penalties. Uh, so I just want to throw that in. But yes, play call was absurd. That play, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, end around to Courtney? Like, what? what is that? You're second and one. Like, Anaya has been getting so much credit this season. But things like that really make me think. Um, there have been some moments the last two weeks that are... I, I'm, I'm taking back a little bit of the... Uh, of the perfection rope that Robert and I is regaining it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, getting it back um, a little more under control because there have been some moments in the last two weeks where I've been truly questioning why things are happening. There and have what also the rationale been, is. there were so many drives where it was like, I don't know, incomplete pass, pass for three yards, rush on third and seven. That's not going to get you anywhere. I yes. mean, there has to be – it just seems so pick a play out of a hat kind of thing where, of course, I know it's not that, but when it appears that way, something's going wrong. Um, and, hey, we have to also acknowledge that Sean Tucker got plenty of carries in this game, and he didn't play all that well. I mean, he had 16 no. carries. He averaged 3.8 on the ground, a touchdown. Like, he had a fine game, but it wasn't anything crazy. He was fine. That was, it was yeah, fine. Just fine. Um he was so, just fine. Also, know, we can't just keep saying that he doesn't get a chance. But at the same time, like, I feel like there's always a better way to utilize him. Yes. All over the place on the outro here, but worth it. Shout out Andre Smith. Or Andre Schmidt. Did I just say Smith? Oof. He did. Let me restart. Shout out Andre Schmidt. Because that was sick. That he awesome. came in and nails a 54-yarder. Because that, cool. that ties the career long. That re-solidifies that he is back. He is playing at a level that we saw him play at in 2018. And then, boy, did he diverge from that path. But it seems like he's back. He's been outstanding to watch. It's very fun to watch sort of how he's been able to revitalize himself this season. I will also, in giving a positive, talk about how Dino Babers, can you never have the decision made for whether you are going to punt, kick, or go for it on that fourth down insane. without calling a timeout. That you do crazy. not call plays on offense. You do not call plays on defense. Your job is to make those decisions and call the timeouts. Your job is not no. to call the timeout to make the decision. Right? Your only job is to have that decision in the game, is to be able to have that decision. And every single time, he has to call timeout to choose. You should know. You know the situation. You don't have to pause and think about it. Just know what you're going to do. Either you have the faith in Andre Schmidt to kick the field goal or you don't. You don't need to call a timeout in which that faith changes, right? You having the conversation with Schmidt all the way up the field. It does not need to be a timeout then converse. One time, just know what you're going to do, please. Because I'm sick of timeouts being gone to indecisive decision-making and not being able to know what you're going to do in a certain situation. It's a 54-yard field goal in a windless carrier dome. 
JMA Wireless Dome. I apologize. JMA Wireless has been a very loyal follow for us yeah, on Twitter. Very, JMA Wireless has actually been supporting us, so we want to say the right thing. Um, Thank you. But, but uh, just yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. I couldn't believe it. Or that go idea. for it. You don't <sighs> need a timeout to figure that out. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I, when he took the timeout, my head was in two spaces. I was like, at first, I was like, he's going to go for it. And then, like, immediately, I was like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> he's just yeah. taking a timeout to make sure he's kicking a field goal. <laughs> Right? Those, like, but it was so oh, all right frustrating that's all the time we got we will be back tomorrow but before we leave you i gotta say thank you for making lockdown syracuse your first listen for your next check out the lockdown sports today podcast the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get podcasts i'm matt bonaparte he is owen valentine we'll be back tomorrow